0: I was desperate, you know, at the time I was 17, 18, unemployed, you know, and I was desperate to, you know, to get a break. And I knew that if I did get a try, I would, you know, I would
1: grab the chance. I think it was always going to be boxing. I mean, I stepped into the gym as a 10 or 11 year old. Boxing just took hold of my heart straight away. I love everything about the sport of boxing. Hello, I'm Marie Crow, and this is We Become Heroes, the RTE Sport podcast that explores how elite athletes and sports people reach the top of their game and the lessons that they learned along the way. I'm delighted to say that my guest today is 12-time All-Ireland winner, Anne Danny. And how are you? I'm not so bad, Marie. Thanks for inviting me on, yeah. Thanks so many um, for, for coming on. It's, it's great. You've had such an amazing career, like just mm-hmm. when you think of... Growing up, there was so few female sports stars that we got to see on TV and hear about. And, you know, it's great to have people that were out there breaking the glass ceiling, you know, setting the standards and just being visible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's You know, it started so long ago. You know, we just think it was nearly yesterday (laughs) that we could still go out and play. But when we go back and say, you know, our first All-Ireland to be involved was 1972. My God, it's a lifetime ago, (laughs) you know,
1: unreal. It really does, and like you've just achieved so much in so many different senses. What are you What are you doing now in terms of involvement in sport? Are you coaching teams, or what are you doing? I'm not doing anything, Marie. This year, to be quite honest, um, I was with the club here in
0: the village last year, but this year I, I'm I suppose it's my first time since I retired from Camogie uh, playing at least that I've had a free year, and I suppose COVID as well just made it so difficult last year to try and. To get a team together, like we had fifteen weeks with the lads, so it was just too much to be honest. Mm-hmm. And to do the job right, you have to you have to really be able to have the lads when you want, and that was impossible with COVID. COVID. and um, I'm just happy really just to take the time out now and spend it in the garden. And you know, Angela comes out most weekends on the Friday night and goes home on on the Sunday. So. We go at the garden here. I I put her to work and get a few hours workout for you know that. <laughs> so and then we're enjoying it. You know, it's 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 different. And of course, she's still involved in the Camogie and mm. I'm going to the Camogie games. And Connor is playing with you, Kenny. So you know, there's plenty to be doing and plenty of still plenty of interest. You know, with
1: uh, in
0: me for for the, the GA.
1: Yeah, real strong connection. It sounds like um, yourself and Angela are really really close. Oh, sure we are really,
0: you know, um, even when she went away, I suppose, to Maynooth after we were in boarding school, you know, I used to go to all her matches, the father, Lord mercy on Father. father. Um, Ryan, you, he'd collect me and we'd head off to Belfast or we'd go to Galway, wherever she was playing the Ashburns. And and then she got married, she's living in town and I'm only working up the road from her. So, I, you, you know, before Covid, I would go down every day to Angela's house for my lunch. And uh, sure, look, she was here today, and we'd be on the phone a few times during the day. It might only to be out or say something, but or did you do something? But yeah, we're we're very close, to be honest. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's lovely to have that and to have that sounding board, and also that connection to Camogie and to sport as well, when it was such a big part of your life for so long. Yeah. Sure, it was really, Marie, when we were growing up here in the village, there really wasn't anything
0: to do. My mother and father, when my mother, I suppose, was was very strict and it was a case of having your breakfast and go out in the garden and entertain yourself and I don't want to see you till lunchtime at 12 (laughs) o'clock and go back out then and she, I mean, we could be put to bed at six o'clock or seven o'clock, you know, Um, but all we had to do was really play play the sport Mm -hmm. or the neighbours would come in and we'd have five aside and... And uh, we had a, a neighbour down the road, Tommy Roberts, and he, he was a few years older than us. was. We'd hear him on the road, you know, belting the ball off the side of his house. And the next thing, we'd be looking to go out. He'd be at one end of the street and we'd be up at the other. And, um, do you know, I suppose that's really how it started. I suppose Daddy obviously had played from Kenny and one of a few All-Irelands and, um he had a, a man that would work with him here and he, he he saw Angela myself in the garden and he went home to his daughter, Mary Conway. And she, he said Mary was very involved with St Paul's at the time. I mean, we were only 10 or 11. And he said, you know, there's two young ones up there in you you may get them to join. So we joined St Paul's and I think we won a, a junior county final when we were 12. And sure, it really took off from them, you know. I mean, we were we were blessed with the players that we got involved with, you know. When we started with Carmel O'Shea and Phil O'Shea and Lula Duncan and, do you know, household names, uh, Liz Neary, brilliant players. And we were just blessed, I suppose, that we came along at the right time. But it wasn't easy even then making the breakthrough because you had to win Leinster, you know. And several times, you know, went to a Leinster final and Wexford would beat us. And that was it, your year over. And eventually it was open draw and um, Kilkenny made the breakthrough in in 74. And we had some 20 glorious years from 74 to 94, you know, it was on real.
1: So when you said you played a junior final at uh, 12, like junior wasn't junior, was it back then? or Like it was playing adults.
0: Well, it would have been adults. I mean, I have a photograph of the dinner dance. As it happened, the, the dinner dance was... Uh, my grandfather, I remember, died on the 28th of December, and the dinner dance was on the 29th. And I mean, God forgive us, I suppose. At the time, we were wondering where we going to get to this dinner dance. But anyway, we got to go in and get our medals and come home. But there's a photograph that was taken that night, and all the girls in it are the women. They're all women. And we were two <laughs> little children beside the captain at each side, you know, in our confirmation dress as I remember <laughs> at the time um, yeah but sure look I suppose we were able to hold our own and that's all that mattered you know it was yeah, junior, junior, yeah,
1: it was a bit more normal back then you wouldn't see it now anyway and um, no. I guess things have, have changed quite a lot even in terms of just organised sports for children now there's just so much more of it than there would have been when you were growing up
0: well look there was no sport really organised our first game I suppose was um Mammy and Mrs Ruth, Ruth's mother, had lived in the village here and they organised us, piled us into a few cars and we headed down to the Rory in from primary school and we played a game against them and they came up to us. That was it. That was finished. There was nothing else after that until we joined St Paul's and then after we finished primary school, uh, Maria and Angela, myself, we went to Castle Comer and we played Camogie in Castlecomer, and we won a Junior All Ireland there. And at the stage, Mammy decided too much camogie, too much sport, and not enough study. Oh so gosh. we, they decided we were going to boarding school. But I put my foot down. And I said I wasn't going to boarding school. But Angela and Maria did go back. Um, so they spent the last two years in boarding school, and they went back in September, and then at uh, Easter, Mammy came home and she just said, look, you're going back now. So as I missed him, you know, I missed Angela. Yeah, yeah. I was here at the house on my own and before it was a rat race to the bathroom, you know, you'd be knocking on the door to get in and you were going running out the door for the bus. And um, I missed all that when Angela mm. had had gone to gone away to boarding school. And it was actually the principal Michael Hester in Castle Comer could see that I was, you know, lonely, really, mm. without her. And sure, I went back then, I went to boarding school two months after she did and sure, I never looked back. <laughs> I didn't play Komogi the first year with them because I had started the competition with Cassid Comer, but I did play in 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 75. We were beaten in an, in an All-Ireland in Croke Park. The the college's All-Ireland was in Croke Park that year. We were playing a um, presentation um, at N'Roy and a girl called Midge Ponyard beat us on her own. We went to extra time, but we were well beaten in the end, yeah.
1: So, what was your very first, earliest memory of watching sport, or playing sport, or just even sport in general?
0: I suppose it would have always had been the All Ireland, you know, because it would have been, it would be we wouldn't be brought to the island All Ireland, obviously, but it would be on the television here, and it was kind of you sit down and you stay quiet and you watch the match, you know, Eddie Kerr and Chunky uh, uh, O'Brien and Frank Cummins, Noel Ski, and all those great players. That that really would have been. Um, my first memory anyway you know there, obviously there wasn't camogie on it and um, there was football So it was really the football Ireland and the, and the Hurling Ireland that we were exposed to really And who were your heroes then? Well when we got involved in camogie I always looked up to you know Liz Neary and Carmen O'Shea you know they were great camogie players but we hadn't made the, the breakthrough I suppose with Kenny at the time mm-hmm. but Frank Cummins to me was was a fantastic player, Um, you know, the skill that he had, and he was a giant of a man, you know. At that time, it was kind of more pulling on the ball. There wasn't that much rising, but, um, you know, I just admired the way he went. Chunky O'Brien, you know, there was so many, Medicare, you know, all that that era, you know, I just... But the energy that Frank Cummins had around the centre of the field, you know, and then in in latter years, there was a, a player called Liz Garvey from from uh, Cork I had seen her playing in an All-Ireland as well and she was just dynamite you know so until I suppose Kilkenny started to win really there was Mm. probably no people that you could look up to no women in sport that you could look up to really you know it was all all the men at the time.
1: Yeah so you had to pave your own way really because we just there was no visibility I'd Mm. imagine back then at all yeah Mm, mm. and uh, even opportunity wise like you we're lucky, really, that you did get to play and get to go on and have a career. But was there any other sports that you played that you enjoyed that you were good at?
0: Well, for for the winter, I would have played hockey, and I won a white cup medal with Kilkenny in hockey. But um, I suppose my big sport after that was squash, and I represented Ireland. Eventually, uh, I got five or six caps um, playing for Ireland. So. That was a lot of energy put into that in the winter months, you know, a lot of coaching and going to Belfast to the Boat Club. You know, you could have to head off maybe on Stephens' Day um, because the Home Internationals would have been the end of January the beginning of February. So that was, I suppose, uh, a great achievement for me, to be honest, you know, be it that I could come off the court and they'd say, thanks, Angela, to me. <laughs> and Angela didn't even play squat. But, oh, brilliant. You know, <laughs> Um,
1: so be it. I just took it on the chin and said, right, sure, you know, what changes? <laughs> you know. And when did you realise, well, you realised that you had talent for a sport? Do you know, look, Maria, I don't think it's something that
0: kind of dawns on you. To be honest, you don't have this light bulb moment mm. in your head going off saying, God, you're brilliant or you're good at it. You know, I mean, when, when the teams would be picked for the All-Ireland, I knew Angela would be on it, but I didn't know, I wasn't sure if I would be on it, you know, so I was always fearful, you know, am I going to make the team? I mean, I was a sub in in 74, and I made the team then after that. Um, But it was always, you know, you were saying all the team has been picked and I didn't go too well last week and and so did. And, you know, so it wasn't that you were sure of yourself, you know, I always worked at my game and just hoped that I would be picked. And it was the same after an all Ireland. they would pick the Leinster team, you know, and you'd be wondering, well, did I do enough today to, mm. to make the Leinster team? So I, I suppose I, I appreciated the fact that I was making the team and that I was holding my place, but I certainly was never sure of it, to be honest.
1: Is that something that's within you though, or was, was that a fair reflection of where you were, um in the pecking order. Look, I suppose, you know, everyone
0: knows the story about the man that came into the shop to Daddy and asked, I would always be helping Daddy in the shop and he wanted to know, was this the good one or the bad one? Oh, you God. know, so I suppose in the back of my mind, then that that was a light bulb moment because I said, you know, Angela is better than me. At the time, of course, I didn't think she was, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I actually wouldn't even have given it any thought. I just thought the two of us were the same. So sure, in latter years, you know, You'd, you'd, you know, you would know that, well, Angela is capable of doing a turn in the game and winning the game for you. But I suppose that sowed a little bit of doubt in my in my head, um, to be honest. Um, and it's not that I was conscious of it, but yes, it was probably there,
1: mm-hmm. if you know
0: what I mean, you know.
1: It was a kind of a hard situation to be in. Like, you were obviously supremely talented and then she was as well. So was there a competition there at any stage? No, no, there was never
0: competition, Marie, because I could, you know, I couldn't solo with the with the with the ball on the hurl and and know where the goal posts were. Whereas Angela could. I mean, she could she could head to goal and know that the ball was on the hurl and she wouldn't lose it. Whereas with me, I probably had to work at that skill. You know, I was a runner. I was able to cover the tracks. I was able to work back and work forward, and um, so I had attributes. That probably Angela would admit that she hadn't, but mm. would I be able to turn a game and win it for you? No, certainly she would, you know. But then, we as we have always said, it was the players that we had around us, you know, invariably Breida Holmes and uh, Joe Don, uh, Deirdre Malone. They would all seek Angela out if they were if they were in trouble, as I would, you know. Yeah. But uh, we were blessed. We were just so blessed with the players, you know, that that we we were uh, surrounded with and all the Irelands that we won. Yeah.
1: So when you were developing then as an athlete and obviously you started very young if you're playing in uh, junior county finals when you are 12, what were you working on most? What skills were you developing most? Well, it was first
0: touch really, I suppose, because a lot of people even today, you know, they see the ball coming and the next thing they're scoring a goal or a pint before they have the ball in their hands. So it was one thing that Daddy always said, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the ball. And we would go up, the Chapel Avenue, as we called it, is a big gable house and we'd have a tennis ball and we'd just be at the side of the house just hitting the ball and one touch into hand, one touch into hand. So we always, always doing that, you know, and regardless of where the
1: ball was, keeping your eye on the ball. So we worked hard at that, to be honest, yeah. I know it was a, a different time and, and women's sport is in a different place, but what were, you, what were you thinking of when you were doing that practice and you were honing your skills? Were you did you have a pathway did you you know did you think i'm going to play for kilkenny and i'm going to win all these all irelands like how how much of an influence did camogie have on your life like how much did it consume you the way like you obviously know now the inter county setups how how much the players dedicate themselves to Camogie and how they have their goals and um, their ambitions and it's such a big part of their lives all consuming now was it like that when you were playing? Well it was, it was for us here to be honest um, I mean it
0: was a family occasion for us to go to go to a match on the Sunday um, you know and all you wanted to do was win in All-Ireland and get to Coke Park obviously make the Kilkenny team first and you know you'd be playing your Leinster final win that win the Leinster or they all are in semi-final that was a big thing because if you wanted you knew you were going to Croke Park and once you get got to Croke Park well you had a chance of winning it but I mean our life really our family were consumed in Camogie in the ga because you know you I keep going back to the 70s you know there wasn't an awful lot to do at that stage mm. there wasn't you know, the television came on at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock for the, or 6 o'clock for the Angels, that was it. Um, and other than that, there was no other games that we played at that time. There was only Camogie and, OK, we were we were with the Harriers as well when we did a little bit of running. But, like, the Camogie then, when it did go well, it, it involved the village because mm-hmm. suddenly you get to an RLR and then there was busloads going to, to support you. So it was like once you won one, you wanted to go back and get that feeling of of winning again. And like our lives were put on hold, to be quite honest. It did revolve around um around Komogi. You know, if you had a good summer's evening, you know, Daddy'd say, Well, you can't go swimming. You have a match on Sunday, which was totally, you know, all we could have gone swimming, but at that time, in his mind, we couldn't. And um you know, sure, it was, as I said, it was a great family occasion. We could all pile into the car and head off to the match and, um, you know, have make a great Sunday of it, yeah. You must have been big stars around the locality then. Well, sure, look, you know, when Clekelly started to win, it was, I suppose, the hurlers weren't doing well at the time. So it was great that, I suppose, the supporters had the camogie to fall back on because it was always the Sunday after the hurling All-Ireland. And, um you know, the crowds, as I said, that came from the village and the bus then when we were coming home from Croke Park on the Monday would come through the village here in Ballaragat and we'd get off the bus and we'd go through Castle Comer, where my mother was from, into ba- into Ballaragat and then on to Kilkenny. And like we wouldn't have, you know, the the 10,000 people out to, to see us coming home, but you could have five, which was great for Kilkenny and great for Camogie and you'd have the majorettes bring you down the town, which the hurlers had. So suddenly, you know, we got successful and we kept winning and sure, we went on the seven in a row then, um, you know, and that was unbelievable. And, you know, just unfortunately, we didn't do eight in a row.
1: I know nowadays we, we often have conversations about equality and comparisons between um, male sports and female sports. And, you know, we look at things like expenses and, you know, gear. And, you know, we, we just mm. have, we just talk it out. And there are, I guess there's a, an awareness that um, for a long time, it is changing now, though, mm. that the, the, the men were, were treated better than the women. Were they conversations that you were having back then? <sighs> well, we, we knew probably
0: that the guys were going down to Langton's every night after the training and having a big steak supper where we were driving down to John street and going into the chipper and buying our own bag of chips. And you would be hoping that when you get to the all Ireland that you might get a track suit and a bag or something like that. It was, we knew it was there, but we didn't crib about it. We just accepted that's the way it was. And in fairness at the time, uh, even back as far as 74, Ursula Grace was on the team with us and Ursula's father was Paddy Grace, the secretary for years of the, the GA hurling board in Dio You know, the, the hurling board in Kilkenny, the hurling board have really been good all the years to, to Um The last night of training, we'd get to go to Langton's, you know, and the, the hurling board would pay for it and they'd pay for the train up and they'd help you with the, the cost of the hotel. So, it was only really, I suppose, in latter years when I got in, back involved with the with the teams in two thousand and eleven that the girls were kind of saying, "Well, you know, we want to be professional and we want to be treated as professionally as everyone else." But it was uh, it wasn't until two thousand and sixteen when I got involved again that um, we were lucky enough to get a doctor with us. I mean, that's that was a long time, and that was, you know, Dr. Martin O'Brien came on, and he, he's of no expense to the county board. Um, Nicola Aylward was the physio, we had Dr. Fergus Heffernan, the psychologist, you know, and all those people given free of their time but mm. Komogi couldn't afford it and we knew that, we knew that, you know, that it was co- such a cost and they'd be looking for sponsorship so it was a big I suppose ask of the county board to come up with um, all the money at the time and even going back to 2016 there wasn't grants but there is now. You know, you get a certain amount of of a grant, and things are changing for for the better. But certainly, um, we never really looked. We knew we wouldn't get it, so it wasn't it didn't bother us once we got to All Ireland, and once we got to win. You know, if we won the All Ireland, we were happy.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you definitely know that that these things take time, and those examples mm. of um, how late it or how long it took to to just get the medical people, the necessary medical mm. people involved, mm. shows just that. So back to you now, when um, what, look, you said that there was times when you were wondering, are you going to make the team? But like, yet you're making a team and you're winning seven All-Irelands in a row. Was there any stage where you went, OK, I belong here? You know, this is, you know, you weren't questioning yourself about whether you were going to make the team. You realised or you understood the talent that you had and that you could make it at, at the top because you were doing it at the top.
0: No, there wasn't, to be honest. You win the All Ireland, and you know, the week after you've been thinking about the next year, or you go through your winter training with the squash. And I knew coming back from the squash that I would probably be in better shape than any of the girls for the league, and I usually was. Uh, but I never, I never took for granted the fact that, you know, I was going to make the team. I wasn't so sure of myself. I mean, 794. Mike was captain and I think it was 99, we were, could have been the first year Tipperary won the All-Ireland, I was only a sub that year. So it was never, it was never there, you know, that, that security of, or being assured of myself, to be honest, because you can never stop working at your game and I never did, you know, and I never took it for granted, no.
1: And I guess as well, you had Angela driving you on all the time as well. So there was probably no escaping really from the environment and the high performance and the, you know, just the wanting to achieve and and to get success. And especially when you start getting it, then I'd imagine that it just keeps going and going and going. But over long careers and look, most people, I I would have said nearly everybody until I did Bodger Carrington in the last, um, in the last podcast episode, this podcast, have setbacks? And he actually said he, he's never had one, which is a rare enough um, Rare enough to hear that from sports people. Did you ever have any any big setbacks that you had to overcome? Um,
0: well, I was very disillusioned, I suppose. Um, I think it was 86 when Angela got suspended for six months. We were playing a club game um, with St Paul's inside in Kilkenny against a team from Cork, Killa. And it was a fairly heated affair the same day. And we won by seven points, I think, in the end. And um, I remember after the match, Angela was in the shower and she was crying. And she, I suppose you, you, they call it sledging now. That's what has, had gone on that day. We didn't have a name for it at the time. Mm. And we were due to play the um, All-Ireland, the club All-Ireland, two weeks later. And Angela was coming down from the graveyard and daddy called her into the shop and he said, the match is off tomorrow. And she said, why? Who's dead? And he said, there isn't anyone dead. He said, you have to go to Croke Park next Saturday to Central Council. So she went to Croke Park the following week and they suspended her for six months. And we ended up having to go play the Club All-Ireland on the 2nd of December without Angela. She's standing outside the wire. And we play in Glenamaddy. So that was a really low point, you know. And I often think to myself, you know, I've put so much back into the camogie, and how how did I do that? You know, when I, you know, I'm still raw about it to this day, and mm. I still kind of I'm looking for answers: who did it, or why? Why? Why was it done? She didn't get a red card. The actually, I have to say, the girl from Killa as well got suspended for six months as well. And um, they didn't get booked. She wasn't asked her name. She didn't get sent off, and suddenly this club in Galway are hosting the club All-Ireland the next day. They're preparing for us to go. They're organising the meal, and this match is called off to make an example of Angela. Now, I could take it if they were trying to make an example of me because I would have been the tougher of the two of us. You know, I wouldn't be afraid to give a belt, whereas Angela would play the game, get into the car and go home, whereas I wouldn't. I'd probably hang around for (laughs) half an hour bitching about something you know (laughs) but that's 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 done you know and it hurt the family you know for six months you know we just don't i don't understand the reason behind it
1: and what 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 did they say it was if she wasn't right carded or um on sport
0: yeah we don't again it's you know so that's 30 something odd years ago you know but someone made the call. That's
1: yeah. a, a very tough blow, for, as you said. For, yeah, the family well, when like said for the family, for yeah. the whole family it was, yeah. I, yeah. I, and did you ever feel like giving up or
0: anything like that? Well, we did. We did for a while, I suppose. But, um, you know, in 86 then, we won the All-Ireland um, on the 14th of, of September, 86. And my mother died the week after. And she was only 60 and I suppose the the whole Camogie fraternity rallied around us, you know, and I suppose that kind of, you just have to kind of get on with it and you decide, look, you either let them get to you or you continue on and you do the best that you can and that's what we did, you know, at the time it was, it was hard, it was harder on daddy, I suppose, here and us all, than it was on Angela. She couldn't get her head around it and you talk about you know, publicity and getting no publicity. I mean, she made the six o'clock news. Um, I think that the following week, you know, the, why she was suspended or um, and that. So that's the big story that it was. So it's just mind boggling, you know. So that was that was a real, as I said, a real test for us at the time. Yeah.
1: Even making the six o'clock news for a female sports person back then, That that gives really good context of how much, of a big deal it was and Mm -hmm. what a big story it was. And like, especially when you have a local shop when you're coming in and people are coming in and out and meeting you, I can imagine the amount Mm. of attention and focus that your dad had to deal with.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't nice to be honest, you know, as I said, if she had to be sent off, you'd expect it. But I mean, this was two weeks after we had played the game. They had two weeks had elapsed. we were playing the All-Ireland. The next Sunday, and this had happened on a Saturday night, you mean, it's just, you couldn't write
1: it. I know a lot of time has passed now, so you've obviously <laughs> spent a huge amount of time thinking about it as well. And what, what's your theory?
0: My theory is that someone wanted to make an example of Angela for some reason or another. And I, I, I really can't figure it out. And I would like, and I've said it several times, I would like the camogie to come out all these years later and give an explanation of what happened or why it was done. You know? Have you asked them? I haven't, but I I would say that they know how I feel. I've said it enough enough times, mm. but I probably will ask them eventually. I won't go to my grave, I think, <laughs> without without getting an answer, or at least trying to get an answer, yeah.
1: Because that would give you closure then as well, well on something closed, yeah. that hurts. Mm. It still hurts mm. to this day. Mm. Um, that's disappointing now for all of you involved, because being from a small village as well, and and just understanding the GA, I I can actually imagine what it was like to to go through that. And uh, we also have the local shop at home, so mm. I know what it's like when people come in and all they want to talk about is is the GA. So it is it is quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That was obviously a very difficult um, point and a, and a low point. But look, you had so much success as well. Mm. Um, phenomenal, really. Like, I don't think we'll, well, I know we will we'll never see anything like it again. What for you was um, was was your greatest success? Well, I suppose it was two,
0: really. Um, that, going back to Angela's suspension, we had to go to Galway then and play the All-Ireland without her. And it was a club team, St. Paul's at the time. And we got a 21 yard free that I got a goal off it. We won by a pint. And I suppose the other one would have been playing with uh, Liz Downey because in 91, St. Paul's disbanded because Camogie was mushroom over all over Kilkenny and there was no team really coming after us in St. Paul's. So we joined the nearest club, which is our neighbours, Liz Downey here. And they gave down here in Ballaragat. and we were 11 pints down I think with 10 minutes to go people were leaving the grounds now it's a small pitch and you know the bank around and everyone is on top of you there was a huge crowd at the game and as I said they were leaving because we were being hammered against Glen Rovers and all of it shot the whole thing turned around Angela got three something and we ended up winning by six pints now it was I often said it was unheard of it was like Footballers to go down and beat the Kerry footballers. There were star-studded teams: Sandy Fitzgibbon, Linda Mellorick, Trace, Trace O'Callaghan, the two Don Lees, Mary Ring. I could go on and go on. And like we had um, Marina Downey and Sandra Gleese and uh, Angela, myself, Noel O'Driscoll. And other than that, I suppose we were an average team. weren't expected to win. But that that was that was a brilliant day. And again, to have all the parish and the all of Tighenny mm-hmm. at it, you know, it was. It was
1: was someday, unreal. It's lovely to have those memories. And then just in terms of your performances yourself, when you were, if you were to look back now at the career that you had and if you were to think about the player that you want to be, is there a performance that defines you that you think, right, I did exactly what I wanted to do for that game, a standout performance?
0: Well, I suppose... um, There was two years I was voted player of the year, which was brilliant, but really what sticks in my mind is the club All-Ireland. You know, it was a case of having to win it, you know, um, against all the odds. Um, And at the time, Angela was the big star on the team. The rest of us were all probably the same standard of camogie players. You know, we'd just put our head in and our hurling or whatever. But that day was a day that had, you know, that had to be won more so than anything else. It wasn't, it was great to win a, a, a Club All-Ireland, but it was why we had to win it really. And that is for me, that was my standout day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. The club is the backbone of everything really mm. and where yeah. where it all started. And exactly. then like having such a long career, you've had, I can say numerous amount of coaches and like you've all your family as well. And of course your sister, who do you think had the biggest impact on your career? Oh sure, my father
0: did really, you know, because he he was um, having played for Kilkenny, I suppose. And even, you know, when we went off to boarding school, he would drive down to Callan on a Wednesday for us for training. Now, my mother would have been here and not knowing what was happening. She just thought she was going off to training and he was making the trip down to Callan, picking the two of us up, bringing us down soup and sandwiches and bringing us back to Callan and she didn't know for years. I think we were well left Callan by the time we eventually admitted so we were at all those training sessions, you know. So he was, you know, the same with buying the hurls or, Mm. you know, giving you a bit of advice or giving out to you because you didn't do something, you know, but basically, I suppose, really our parents, because they brought us every Mm. place, you know, if you wanted to go to uh, a camogie game, even if you weren't involved yourself, they'd drive you down and, and as I said, it was a real family fair into the car on Sunday and head to Wexford. And at that stage, there was nearly a game every weekend because you could have two or three games to play in the Leinster. And if you were lucky enough then to get out of that, you could have an All-Ireland quarterfinal and an All-Ireland semi final, and then an All-Ireland. Um, but certainly, you know, my parents, without doubt. yeah.
1: What do you think will be your legacy? Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'd say... It's
0: a hard one for people. Yeah, well, sure it is. I mean, I suppose people will have to say what my legacy is, really. It, <laughs> it's not really up to me, and everyone will have a different opinion, I suppose, if you ask them about Anne Downey. Um, look, I would like to think that I I got an awful lot out of Camogie, but I gave an awful lot back as well. Um, I You know, I didn't walk away from it. I had been involved with Kilkenny for... Um, for a good few years, you know, with the juniors and I left them. And then I came back and we won a, an intermediate All-Ireland with um, with the intermediate team. And then, of course, 2016. And it was really, I suppose, 2016 is the structures that I had put in place at the time. Dr. Martin and Ferguson and Nicola and uh, Noreen Roach, you know, who's, uh, Noreen is the dietitian with the Kenny senior hurlers. They all came on board and to get that professionalism Started and Paddy Mullally and Connor Phelan, who's with the seniors now. Connor was involved, Lee Megan, all those people that gave free of their time to Camogie. To so I would hope it's really what I put back rather than what I took from Camogie. You know, do you think Camogie in
1: general is in a good place?
0: I, I do. I do. I think the standard, probably with the first four to five teams, is very high. I would be concerned maybe about the standard then after that uh, certainly there's one or two teams that have gone back to junior and intermediate but um camogie is it's probably a hard sport to play really you know you have to be skillful whereas you might be football i think is probably an easier game for for young girls to take up because they can pick the ball and maybe kick the ball unless you really have two left feet you know but um, Komogi is skillful, but certainly I think we're going in the right direction and with all the exposure that we're getting now with television coverage and uh, semi-finals and quarter-finals on the television, it's just brilliant and you know I'm hoping, hoping that we'll grow and grow. I think when the association joins you know all in one, if we're all under the G- the umbrella of the GA and you have a camogie match before a Hurling match I think then we'll really be, you know, can say look we've made it, we're home. Uh, I'd certainly like to have as many camogie games on the television as the Mm -hmm. ladies football have. You know, every weekend you turn on, there's probably two or three games on and That's brilliant. And that's what we need. Plenty of exposure. And because young girls need role models. And we certainly have plenty of those. in Kenny anyway, Galway have them, Cork have them, Tipperary have them. And that's what young girls need. Someone to aspire to. Yeah,
1: that's for sure. And do you think that in your lifetime in my lifetime we will see uh, the all the associations under the one umbrella i think we will i think and i hope within the next year or two to be
0: quite honest yeah i think they're heading in the right direction i think the goodwill is there maybe just needs a final push to get it over the line but certainly yeah i think it's it's the way to go and um, what's next for you then Oh, Lord. Look, I I never say never, to be honest. Certainly for the moment, it's looking after the garden and, you know, uh, heading into work, uh, which I enjoy. Um, But whether I'll ever get back involved with the team, I really don't know, to be honest. At this point in time, it's it's me time.
1: Yeah, I, I just find it hard seeing your passion and hearing you talking about the sport that that door would be closed. Well, I could get involved, but probably not
0: as involved as I had been, you know, either a manager or, you know, I certainly never mind doing a session for anyone. And I've done plenty of sessions, one-offs and that. Um, but, you know, who knows? You just don't know what's around the corner. And as I said, I never I never say never, but uh, for the moment anyway, it's, it's time out.
1: You are one of the few people who have gone down the road of managing a man's team and it, it is rare enough to to see that how do you find it i didn't have a problem
0: with it really um the first time was our minor team here and we had great success with minor b won it and then in 2000 i think it was 11 we won the under 21 and then the lads have really been respectful uh, when i was involved with them um regardless of what i asked them to do um, I suppose last year, as I said, was a difficult year because we only had 15 weeks with them. And I just, I did find with club that I was still dealing with the same lads, but they were that much older, 10 years older, and they had different commitments. You know, they were farming or they had families. squares with the Camogie, they were there because they wanted to be there. They wanted to be on the Kilkenny team. But with the club, it wasn't always possible to get everyone at training. And I found that hard, but certainly
1: with the respect that the lads had shown me, I couldn't talk highly enough about them. That's brilliant to hear. And Anne, thanks so much for sharing your journey with me and with us. It's been absolutely fascinating. And you were a hero for so many when they were few and far between and, and we couldn't see them. So thank you so much for doing that as well. And thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. I hope you enjoyed it. Please like, share and leave a review.